just wanna say thank you, man. Uh, yeah, thank you. Hey. Every other city I go, I appreciate it. I ain't gotta tell them my name. Every morning I pray, I, pray. I done came a real long way. No way. Every other city I go, I ain't gotta tell them my name. If you hating, I just wanna say thank you. Know you doing something right when they hate you. Running around telling people how they need you. Only reason why they mad, cause they ain't you. Wake up every morning I pray, I done came a real long way. Every other city I go, I ain't gotta tell them my name. If you hating, I just wanna say thank you. Know you doing something right when they hate you. Running around telling people how they need you. Somebody mad cause they ain't you. Nowadays I pull up in the range. I remember having that train. I gotta thank God for all the pain. They got a nigga all up in the game. Born, I be out with my gang. They jacking, I change and I didn't. I can jump back on that plane, switch up cities. Nowadays niggas just look at me different. Hate me for what I just handle my business. I play with them bands, I can handle a ticket. I know I came up, but don't act like you know me. You wasn't around back when I had to get it. Wasn't around back when I had to hustle. Wasn't around back when I used to struggle. We used to throw all that cash in the duffel. Now all this cash keep me right out of trouble. Oh shit, I'm back with another one. I know I'm supposed to be doing New Music Fridays, but fuck that shit. We all off schedule all fucking week. This is your boy, this is your motherfucking boy, King Known Uncensored. And it's Cat Williams versus everybody, the era of truth. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to get right straight to the main event. Y'all been patiently waiting just like an ace test. What's the result? Not positive. Who the best pot nizer big? Ain't no best. East, West, y'all know what the rest. Alright. So Cat Williams, man. Wow. Club Shay Shay is one of the better podcasts out there. I'm not Shannon Sharp's biggest fan. But the shows that he has that's not like ESPN, Shannon Sharp got some good shit, man. And he interviewed Cat Williams a couple of days ago. And this has been the talk of the town. Where Cat Williams basically unleashed on the industry, basically. Like, he said, basically, like, how certain groups of comedians are all clicked up, which is a fact. And then there's a certain type of a comedian versus another type of a comedian. I know this is King No NBA Music Talk, but I had to get throw my two cents in there because the interview's right there. It's on Club Shay Shay. That's the motherfucking source. Those two niggas. Right? Shannon Sharp just let Cat Williams control the interview, as he should have, because Cat's personality is domineering. But Cat Williams was one of the hottest comedians in the world at one point. And during his prime, you know, he was a part of a lot of classic black films. Obviously, the biggest one being Friday After Next. Speaking of Friday After Next, they talked about how he got the role and 
Cat Williams took the time to respond to all of his critics. Because a lot of these people have been talking shit. And the first thing was he said that Ricky Smiley did not audition for Buddy Mike. Ricky Smiley said on the show that, uh, you know, Cat Williams was supposed to play the Santa Claus. And Cat Williams, you know, and Ricky Smiley was supposed to play Buddy Mike. But Cat Williams responded saying, that's not true. And that Ricky Smiley plays a woman better than he plays a man. And you got to think about it. I was just like, whoa, damn. Because what movie is Ricky Smiley most known for? You know what I'm saying? Ricky Smiley's most known mostly for stand-up comedy. But the character that he's most known for playing is a woman, Bernice, right? Nobody plays Bernice better than fucking Ricky. And that's a fact. You know, he talked about how he got the uh, rape scene. Because Money Mike was supposed to rape Dave... Damon was supposed to rape Money Mike in the bathroom scene. And and he got the studio to change that scene out. Because, you know, he also talked about the many times in Hollywood that he got tried. You know, he was invited to the puffy parties and he just said no. Martin Lawrence tried to get him to play the role in Big Mama's House 3. You know, where he had to wear the dress and shit like that. Cat Williams just wasn't with it. And we all know the industry tactics. You know, all the comedians had to put a dress on. The only person that I hadn't seen wear a dress was Cat Williams in... Corey Holcomb. They're the only two comedians that I seen that didn't wear a dress. Everybody else did. I don't recall seeing Keenan Ivory Wayans wearing a dress either. There's always been this myth also about the industry that you go in this room and, you know, they take your butt virginity. You know, he also talked about Chris Tucker and the Jeff Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein thing a little bit. He didn't stay on that too long because he respected Chris Tucker too much. But this is the part of the interview that fucked me up a little bit. There's something else I wanted to talk about in this interview too. But before, Cat Williams, this is nothing new though about what he's saying because... He came into the game on his first stand-up, The Pimp Chronicles, exposing what goes on in the industry. You know, he was talking about Michael Jackson, R. Kelly, and he was talking about dude from the Parkers. You know, he walked into the room, one of the rooms in the industry, and he was like, is that Professor Ogilvy? You remember that? And Cat has a lot of classic stand-ups. 
And the group of comedians that he was talking about are clicked up. And they are, you know, protected by the industry elites. Let's just say that. The one, the part that fucked me up was the Cedric the Entertainer thing. Now, he talked about the Kings of Comedy about after Bernie Mac passed, they allegedly called him to replace Bernie Mac. And Cat Williams did not do it. He declined. But, you know... But the craziest shit that I heard about Cedric was just the fact that Cedric stole Cat Williams' joke and Scruncho's joke. Because Cat Williams had a bit in his comedy act where he talked about, you know, the car thing. You know, he got, you know, he sat in the car and he moved the car around and shit like that. And Cedric just replaced it with the uh, spaceship. So from a technical standpoint, you know, Cat's joke was made in 1998 and it was a part of the Comic View commercials. And then Cedric, you know, went backstage and, uh, you know. Said, oh yeah, I like that, uh, you know what I'm saying? I like the uh, little shit that, I like that joke you told and woo, woo, woo. Then in 2000, when the Kings of Comedy came out, you know, there's Cedric telling that joke. And then Scruncho, you know, he was at a comedy club telling a joke about, you know, the gangs and uh, the pot locking thing. And, um, you know, Cedric did that in the Kings of Comedy as well. Scruncho didn't take it as offense. He took it as, oh, shit. You know, Cedric liked my joke. He did his own version of it. I'm about to be on. And then, you know, the next year, Scruncho's in How High with Mike Epps. But Cat is that type of comedian. He's an original. He's the original guy, you know? He doesn't believe in stealing other people's shit. He doesn't need to. Then, you know, he went on in on Steve Harvey. Like, when I was a kid, 8, 9, 10 years old, I thought that that fucking high top fade on Steve Harvey was real. You know what I'm saying? We would go to our barbers and shit and tell him we want that Steve Harvey shit. And come to find out that motherfucker was fake. And the irony about it was one of Cedric the Entertainer's stand-ups. He talked about, you know, him getting into a fight or whatever. Steve Harvey getting into the fight so he won't fuck his toupee up. You know what I mean? That was probably like three years after the Steve Harvey show wrapped or whatever. And how Steve was insecure about being bald. And then these pictures came out where there was clearly like a big ass hole in the high top. Hashtag childhood ruined. 
I mean, I knew that shit was fake 15, 16 years ago, but still. Then not to mention, you know, he mentioned how Steve betrayed Bernie Mac because Bernie was simply better than Steve. And it wasn't, I honestly think he's by far the funniest king of comedy and it's not even close. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. Cat funnier than Cedric, Steve, and DL. That's just my opinion. And the the crazy part about all this is, outside of Martin and Chris Tucker, I would say Cat is funnier than damn near everybody he talked about. Damn near. I mean, he kept it 100 because... Comedians are very sensitive about their material and and very sensitive about being original. He also talked about how all of these comedians, girls look the same. And I had to think about it. I'm like, damn, they do. And then, you know, he said that Steve lied about being homeless. And then this was the kicker, right? I'm going to be in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. My bad, y'all. About that. But, um, he talked about Steve, um, it was one more thing about Steve Harvey. Oh, yeah, about how he stole Mark Curry's whole career. He not only stole Mark Curry's material doing stand-up, but he stole his show. Because Mark Curry came out with the jokes first. He had the TV show first. Because if you think about it right, Mr. Cooper was on from what? 92 to 97? Steve Harvey's show was on from 97 to 2001. They were both based in a school. The only concept that was flipped was Steve was a former recording artist and Mark Curry was a former basketball player. That was the only difference. And then he stole Mark Curry's Christmas joke. But that was just wild. Finding out about how unoriginal these comedians are. Then, you know, um, he talked about Gary Owen never crossing over. Despite being white. And that was very... Those are interesting thoughts. They were talking about... Why haven't we seen Gary Owen... And... Big... Studio roles. How come Gary Owen has never... Got a lead role in a movie? He's always played side characters. Because, you know... He didn't fall victim to uh, 
industry politics. He also talked about Kevin Hart, of course. Him and Kevin have been going at it for a while. He talked about how Kevin Hart wore a dress and this and that. And that, and he basically called Kevin Hart an industry player because, you know, he questioned how a comedian with an East Coast background gets put on in L.A. and gets his own movie role. You know what I'm saying? And you got to think about it. You know, it may be some truth to that. Not saying that Kevin Hart ain't funny. Not saying that Kevin Hart didn't earn his success. And that Kevin Hart didn't work hard enough. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that studios and, you know what I mean... And the major industry people, they pick a couple of niggas at a time to blow up and have their run. And then they replace them with two new niggas to have their run. But of course, Kevin Hart responded, you know, by saying, you know, get the hate out your whore. You know what I mean? Get that hate out your whore. And this, that, and the third. But you have to... But Cat has to realize something. The reason why you're not as successful as other comedians is because you didn't want to participate in industry tactics. And that's fine. And I think that Cat is very secure within himself. And he spoke a lot of truth. And most of this was in response to other comedians that have been talking about him. So he used Shannon Sharp's platform to vent and speak his piece on certain things. I'm not going to say vent his frustration because he's not frustrated. And, you know, in response to Shannon Sharp's claim that he doesn't like any comedian, he had said that he put 43 comedians on his tour. And I remember that. You remember one of those Cat Williams DVDs where he went on tour with Red Grant and Melody Camacho and all these other people and stuff? Lunell. Like, he put a lot of those people with him, but those are his clique of people. All I got to say is protect Cat Williams at all times. Protect that man. We are we starting to see the demise of the Los Angeles Lakers? It's giving that. Cause I just talked about this last episode. The Lakers have fallen all the way to 10th. And people are still calling for Darvin Ham's job. And blame is going all across the locker room 
And this foundation of what we thought was going to be another leap into the right direction is just falling apart. We got people on the internet blaming Torian Prince and Cam Reddish because they scored zero points, but not blaming their king, LeBron James. What up with this? Because if you can recall, they lost to the Heat uh, the other night, 110-96. LeBron only had 12 points, 6 of 18 from the field, and 0 of 6 from 3. Austin Reeves had 24 points. AD had 29 points, 17 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals, 5 blocks. An impeccable stat line, but yo goat, yo king, failed to show up and was getting his ass bust, paused by a fucking rookie. Max Christie had 14 points. Christian Wood had 13 points. Off the bench, and that's more points than LeBron. But you want to blame Cam Reddish and Torian Prince. Cam Reddish only had one shot attempt. Torian Prince was off. Yes, he may be a little tiny bit to blame. But what is six shots compared to a nigga that missed 12 motherfucking shots? Who's supposed to be the fucking point guard? And what's crazy about this, LeBron did have nine assists, so he kind of played that role. He had to. He had to play that role because he was putting enough bricks up to build mansions. And it seems like the locker room is in disarray. But y'all notice something about LeBron James. Do y'all notice that Everywhere LeBron has been throughout his career, it's always some drama going on. Let's take a journey. Let's take it. Let's take it back. You remember his early years in Cleveland. He got Paul Silas fired. LeBron went up to to management and said that he didn't like how Paul Silas was running shit. And LeBron being the chosen one, being God's greatest gift known to man, got Paul Silas the fuck up out of there. Then, after Mike Brown won Coach of the Year, he got him fired. Then we got, you know, one incident that... uh happened in Cleveland that we not going to get into cost of Delonte <laughs> we not going to get into that <laughs> y'all don't want that type of smoke tonight baby well we had that situation then the decision another dramatic point dramatic grand opening dramatic grand closing he went to Miami he wasn't getting along with Eric Spolstra. 
he went up to Pat Riley and was like, I don't like this guy. Fire him. And Pat Riley was like, no, nigga. This is your coach. Find a way to go along and get along. He caused all that drama in, in Miami. Then, of course, taking Ray Allen away from the Celtics. Causing a rift between that group. Breaking up that team. Drama. Then him leaving Miami, going back to Cleveland. Him and Kyrie, button heads. Right? He tried to get Kyrie Irving traded twice. Once for Chris Paul. The other time for Eric Bledsoe. Tyson Chandler and the number five overall pick. And he wanted to play with Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony. And he was trying to get Kevin Love traded for Carmelo. To to bring that group of guys to Cleveland. Drama. Then when Kyrie found out, he walked. And then LeBron going to try to save face and was like, I ain't tell you to trade him. Yes, you did, nigga. You wanted him going for CP. Then, when you made the trades in Cleveland, you got that super team back in the day. You remember Isaiah Thomas? You had um, Dwayne Wade. You had Braun, Kevin Love, and Tristan, right? That was the starting five. You had D-Rose coming off the bench. You had JR, Shumpert, Shanning Fry. All coming off the bench. Then you had Jay Crowder too. Then all of a sudden, when you know IT comes back from a hip injury and stuff. Then Isaiah comes around and is like. These niggas don't practice. You know, I gotta, I'm gotta. i recovering from a hip injury. I need to get acclimated with this team. And, um, you know, my fucking hip hurts. Then y'all remember the second time around in Cleveland, when Cleveland was the number one team in the league, he got David Blatt fired. Because he ain't like him. Because David Blatt... Wasn't going for LeBron's bullshit. And he he fired that man. For no reason. Tyron Lue came in. And eventually won a championship. But after that. You know. Then he traded his boy D-Wade. And didn't tell him. Talking about. I didn't know. When you know damn well that LeBron is aware of everything that the GM does, he definitely runs that shit by Braun before they make a trade. And they traded D-Wade back to Miami, and D-Wade didn't want to go back to Miami. He wanted to end his career in Cleveland. Then, 
He leaves Cleveland again, goes to L.A. Talking about, I want to make movies. What about winning championships? He want to go out here to have a better career. What about championships? They missed the playoffs the first year. You know, injury bug, understandable. But then you tried to get half the team traded for Anthony Davis. You tried to trade Kuzma, Ingram, Lonzo, two other players and a first round pick for AD. The New Orleans uh, Hornets GM said no or Pelicans GM said no. We're not going to let you collude. And then New Orleans, ironically, ended up firing him and hiring who? The former Cleveland Cavaliers GM, David Griffin. Who actually, you know, and then the crazy part is after that trade fell through, those players had to come back to the team and they had to have a team meeting in order to squash the beef because those players were pissed off that LeBron tried to get them traded because you they knew LeBron wanted AD. LeBron not loyal. I, I keep trying to tell y'all. But wait, there's more. So once they finally make the AD trade, you know, that bubble shit happened. That was dramatic because LeBron was one of the main people pushing for the season to come back. And the Lakers as a team was already practicing. Drama. And then, of course, getting Luke Walton fired. And then you fired, you got Frank Vogel fired after he just won you a championship. Then you and AD had issues because you tried to get him traded. It's probably why he was pouting on the bench while you were scoring and passing Kareem ass up. And now look at how it currently stands this current season. The locker room's in disarray. Now everybody's pointing the finger at Darvin Ham. Now he's going to be the next one on the coaching block. Look at how many coaches LeBron has gotten fired. Paul Silas. Uh, Mike Brown. Because remember, also he got Byron Scott fired because he didn't want to be coached by Byron Scott when he came back to Cleveland the second time. So they fired Byron Scott and hired uh, David Black. Got David Black fired. Got Tyron Lue fired. Eventually. Got Luke Walton fired. Got Frank Vogel fired. 
How many coaches has this nigga had? He's had to have had like eight, nine coaches. It's always some drama and some trades wherever LeBron James goes. And I feel like I've been saying this for years that the Lakers should trade LeBron James. I think that they would play better with AD as the number one option. LeBron tries too hard to be the number one option. And he doesn't put forth any defensive effort. And when you see somebody of LeBron's stature not play defense, are the the other players on the the, uh, team going to play defense? No, I don't think so. All right. Let's get into tonight's games because it's a lot. It's a lot that went on, y'all. Download this song for free and yeah. download mixtape. I don't know why all these fucking taglines are in here. But let's talk about this game, though. The Milwaukee Bucks defeated the San Antonio Spurs 125 to 121. Let's talk, let's talk box scores first. Victor Wembanyama, 27 points, 9 rebounds. Devin Vassell, 34 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. Trey Jones, 18 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds. Kelton Johnson, 14 points, 10 rebounds. Jetty Austin, 13 points off the bench. Look at Milwaukee. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 44 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. Dame Lillard, 25 points, 10 assists. Let's talk Giannis versus Wimby. This was the matchup for the ages. And you want to know why? Man, they were actually checking each other. They weren't afraid of... Getting into foul trouble. Like these dudes went one-on-one, head up, and were dunking on each other, blocking each other's shots. This was a classic matchup that I was not expecting at all. I thought Milwaukee was going to whoop their ass, but I was completely incorrect about that. I was wrong. Dead wrong. But unfortunately, you know, the game came down to one of the last plays of the game where Victor Wimbiyama made a pass to Trey Jones for an open three and it bricked. I don't know. A lot of people debated whether, uh, you know, Victor should have took the shot. I think he should have took the shot, in my personal opinion. Because he was hot. Victor had 27. I think he should have took the three, hands down. But, but Victor Wimbenyama had a play that was crazy where he went behind the back and did a reverse dunk. Like, Victor, man, he gonna be somebody long as he don't get hurt. 
Then this last game, you had the Denver Nuggets defeating the Golden State Warriors 130-127. to Man, Aaron Gordon, 30 points, 9 rebounds. Nikola Jokic, 34 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists. Jamal Murray, 25 points, 6 assists. Peyton Watson had 19 points off the bench. Klay Thompson had 24 points. Jonathan Kaminga had 16 points. Steph Curry had 30 points. Andrew Wiggins had 11 points off the bench. Dario Saric had 13 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists off the bench. Brandon Podjemski had 13 points off the bench. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Golden State had the lead most of the game. It was back and forth until the third quarter. You look at that third quarter. Golden State scored 44 points to Denver's 24. The game really was supposed to be wrapped up. But unfortunately, Denver made a run. And Nikola Jokic hit a game-winning three. That was amazing. And I just think that it was a major choke job on Golden State. Because everybody and their mama know that they were supposed to finish that game. And Charles Barkley, I knew he was loving this. I knew it. Because, you know, he's mad because, you know, he said before the Warriors won a championship that a jump-shooting team couldn't win a championship. And ever since then, Charles has been low-key praying on the Golden State Warriors' downfall. And this is what I keep talking about is wrong with the Warriors, but Steve Kerr's coaching the fuck is wrong with Steve Kerr? Steve Kerr did not play Jonathan Kaminga the uh, uh, the entire fourth quarter. He had 16 points and only played 18 minutes. And where the fuck is Moses Moody? Like, Draymond Green is out. You know? And Moses Moody did not log in one minute this game. One thing I did notice was Dario Saric was balling. And I just simply think that Denver was a complete mismatch for the Warriors because they're too paused, they're too big, too they're too physical, they're too athletic. Nobody on Golden State can stop Aaron Gordon or Nikola Jokic. That's how you kill Gordon State. Golden State. You kill them in the paint. Looney can't do nothing with Jokic or Gordon. This why. This is why I think that Aaron Gordon might be a top fifty player because this dude can defend on the perimeter and the interior. Like, he's a special player. Like, he can, get, he can get 30 in a game if you ask him to. Just Mr. Reliable. But Golden State's in trouble. They are in deep shit right now. Like, they're 11th. Them and the Lakers, 
are neck and neck for that final play-in spot. And I think this opens up the door for Memphis to make a run. Or Utah, even. Who is a half game back from Golden State. I keep trying to tell y'all, Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen, Pascal Siakam, but more than likely the Jazz might fuck around and keep Markkinen because they're going, they've gone on a run. They've won seven out of their last ten. But yeah, that Golden State and Denver game was very entertaining. All right, y'all. That is my show for the day. I want to thank y'all for coming through and fucking with me. This is King Nona Uncensored. Cat Williams versus everybody. And I'm out.